Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. guest on but it's a topic that we're both incredibly passionate about food specifically asian fusion food um jeff and i came to the realization that um we'd need more than a couple more than just one episode to talk about food actually yeah, because there's sure. so much to unpack there um so today we just want to focus on asian fusion food and you know asian fusion is inherently the product of cultures mixing which is which really goes to the heart of this podcast being asian in the west and asian fusion food i found is something that clearly is worth celebrating but also something that should be scrutinized yeah you know when we were coming up with this episode it was going to be i was just like it's going to be this full down slog fest of just like me just and and isabella just like oh you know that's so bad like i hate this restaurant and it's like they're doing this wrong they're like you know all that sort of stuff and it was just like all this like hate and anger for like asian fusion as a cuisine because you know, there's, and I guess we'll go into this further. There's so many things that I just like disagree with fundamentally and how they've approached, I guess, introducing and then marketing this food to people. And then also the reception to it is something that I also struggle with a little bit. So I guess in terms of struggle for this episode, you may feel that it's going to be a divide. You know, we're going to be moving from one side to the other and the other, and the two sides that we're talking about is, I guess, why we don't like it or why we have these feelings against it. But one thing I'm also more interested in exploring is the idea of authenticity. You know, like why, Mm. why am I, and I'm sure why are you so obsessed with it? And why are so many of us so obsessed with it? Like, what does it mean to be authentic? You know, and I guess that's the first concept I want to talk about because ultimately, to me, authenticity feels a bit flawed in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's, as agree. a concept, yeah, it's there's there's a lot wrong with it because it's like I guess the first question would be like authentic to who, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, the concept of of authenticity and authentic food is a bit of an empty word and an empty notion. Like my mum's variation of bung bo hair, so it's like a um, beef vermicelli noodle soup and like bun bell, so these oh, like yum. Vietnamese like steamed rice flour cakes with you know dried shrimp. And, you know, it's served with fish sauce. It's delicious. But that, to me, is so deeply authentic. But it may not be authentic to other Vietnamese people, you know, because, in my opinion, authentic food, like, it evokes the emotion of, like, home cooking and my mum's cooking and my grandmother's cooking. Um, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I feel like you can say the same about Chinese cuisine too, right? Yeah, 100%, because it's... I When I think about, you know, authentic food, it's just, like, exactly. It's, like, what my mum and what my grandma makes it was the intention behind the food it's not just the food itself it's the the celebration the feeling around the food it's like sit down the way we structure the meal you know it's like for us from the south we always drink soup first you know for some people Mm. in other parts they drink soup with the meal they drink soup after the meal like but that whole process itself to me feels incredibly authentic and i think the thing that i've come to realize and the realization i had leading up to this episode is that 
I guess the idea of authenticity that I have, and I think a lot of people have, is technically more Western in its ideals than Eastern. Because when you think about authenticity in the West, it's that alignment between what you do and what your intentions are. Because Mm. that in itself is the embodiment of you and your values, like how you act out and what the emotions and the, the intent behind that aligns to authenticity. But versus in the East, where authenticity is more to do with, you know, your actions somehow uphold a cultural or a religious um, context in history. And I think that in itself relates a bit more to the experience of the community versus mm. experience of the self, mm. which I know this is, this is like, you know, it's getting a little bit like deep and like <laughs> philosophical and stuff. But I, I guess like if you were to sort of distill it down, essentially like I believe that like when authenticity to an Asian person is just like you are more authentic when you practice your culture. You know, it's yeah, just like sure. when, you, when you're a kid, you're like, uh, oh, you know, like that person's, your, your parents will be like, oh, that person's kid is like, you know, they'll, um, you know, sit down last because they let the old people sit down. They'll have all the right ways. They address senior people and stuff. That's, that's mm. authentic. That's what it means to be a good Asian because you're upholding um, the ideas of your ancestors and the history that comes with it. And so for me, it's just upholding those Confucian values. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I thought the problem I have with authentic food, and I guess by translation, you know, in this topic of Asian fusion food, is how authenticity is marketed. You know, mm. a, a big problem I've found with Asian food is that, you know, you have situations where chefs, especially white ones, I should say, tout their restaurants as authentically Asian when, in fact, mm. what they do is the complete opposite. Um, so an example comes to mind, Gordon Ramsay, you know, famous British TV personality, famous chef. Mm. So he had this restaurant um, called The Lucky Cat. And he, oh, I don't I know if you know about this. this. Yeah, 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 I remember this story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of controversy. But so he originally marketed his, again, this restaurant as an authentic Asian eating house, said to be inspired um, by 1930s Tokyo. Um, and it was led by this white chef named Ben Orfwood. Um, mm. And I quote, he said that his experiences derived from traveling back and forth to South Asia for many months. Firstly, Japan isn't in South Asia. Um, <laughs> let's just talk about that. Japan is not in South Asia. Japan is in East Asia. Um, and secondly, you know, Lucky Cat, obviously this in itself is a big red flag, but Lucky Cat, they were criticized um, quite broadly, actually, for their cultural appropriation. Like they mm. played into the whole, you know, Orientalist, like Eastern trope of like lanterns and Buddha heads and whatnot. Um, and it, it's this, you know, it's this inherent problem I find in the cooking industry or, you know, th- this whole world um, where you kind of see Asian food, I, I don't want to say fetishized, but it's exoticized and it's seen as this huge monolith. It's like Asian food. But what kind of Asian food, you know? Mm. Um, and exactly. I don't know. It's I just from that feel country like how... to Asia. Exactly, exactly. I feel like a lot of Asian fusion restaurants treat Asian food as this one giant monolith mm. that somehow Japanese and Thai and Filipino food are all interchangeable. And, you know, like the the menu in itself and Lucky Cat reflected this. Like I was reading, I was researching into this and um, at their launch party, um, they actually had, um, what was it, like Wagyu sliders with an Asian sauce. What the hell is what an it, Asian sauce? What is sauce? an Asian sauce? 
Is exactly, it the, does it right? just have soy sauce in it? Does it have fish sauce? Is like it oyster soy sauce, sauce? lemongrass, like, fish sauce. Like, is it all the so, sauces? Like, it's just so reductive and it really minimizes what it means to be Asian. And, you know, and I, I mean, that's something I also, a bit of a digression, but, you know, it's something that we want to see more on this podcast. You know, we're spotlighting Asian narratives in the West, but what does it mean to be Asian? It's not just, you know, our lived experiences of being personally Vietnamese and you as Chinese. It incorporates... Mm both Indian experiences, Sri Lankan experiences, Filipino exists, you know, you know, there's so much um, complexity and yeah, so many amazing different intricate um, cuisines and cultures that come from Asia. Yeah, it's not much, an Asian sauce, yeah, you know, sure, you know like, so it really I, pisses me off when, yeah, when Asian food is treated as this like, oh yeah, like Asian fusion, like that's cool. I love Asian fusion, but what do you actually like about it? Like what Asian mm. food are you talking about in particular? Yeah. Oh, okay, I feel that was that. my rant over. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've been also pretty guilty of using that reductive term. Like, I love Asian yes. food, and it's I like mean, all of us, you know. Yeah, we're, we're all of us because it's like, and I don't understand why. Is it just like because of the conditioning? Because no one says I love European food. Mm. You know, they're like, oh, I love Italian. I love Spanish. I love you know, French, yeah. I love French. You know, I. No one ever says I love European food. You know, but everyone's like, oh, mm. you know. I love Asian food. And then yeah. the, the the thing that, oh, I guess I don't want to branch into this, but it's just like when they think Asian food, it's just like I can literally list out 10 things that they all eat. And it's just like that's that's their entire breadth of knowledge. Yeah. Dumplings, chicken katsu curry, <laughs> some kind of spring roll, you know, fried rice, uh yeah. what what else is there sushi but like you know hand rolls um yeah. like yeah it's butter just like chicken this, yeah but butter chicken it's just like set menu and yeah. it's just like the classics you know yeah. Yeah. and you know it maybe it isn't completely their fault sometimes because you know when immigrants moved over here they had to they had to survive and the only way they could survive was to mm. adapt you know, when you of go course, out, to, course, yeah. When you go out to restaurants, you see menus. They will all say they will also say authentic Chinese food, Vietnamese mm. food, because yeah, it's 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 without that word, like I guess your food in a sense isn't legitimized. You know, mm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the thing, like, I want to be clear here, right? Like, it's one thing to be a cook, and you know, whether you're Australian, whether you're Indian, Korean, or French. It's one thing to be a cook and interpret another cuisine and bring something to life. So, you know, there's, often there's this trend in Japan for Japanese, you know, chefs to travel to France and learn these classical French cooking techniques. Um, but they come home and, like, you know, cook and combine, like, and inject these lived experiences with these, you know, new techniques from abroad and then you interpret it in a different way, you know, interpret Japanese food in a different way. Um, like, that to me is, like, Asian fusion when you're combining techniques and different ingredients from, you know, different places to create something entirely different altogether and that's the thing like anyone can cook anything like white people can cook asian food like asian people mm. can cook french food um african people can cook spanish food right the problem i think arises when you start really like undermining the integrity of like a culture's cuisine mm. and you start like branding it as like and whitewashing it essentially for marketing purposes mm. and i just find that so disrespectful you know um, yeah absolutely and I, I, like is that does that tell does that like kind of um, delve into the realm of like neo-colonialism I don't know but I just think it's such a it really is like a bit of a power play you know yeah exactly because they know like when they brand that label and oh it's sexy Asian fusion it's gonna sell yeah. we're gonna have this really flashy restaurant with like neon lights yeah. 
and you know really cool cocktails it's, the food is instagrammable everything has fucking mayonnaise mm. in it um <laughs> i'm gonna get to, i'm gonna Wait, get back elaborate, to that. elaborate on that elaborate on that okay. jeff has a very telling observation of asian fusion food would you like to share i love mayonnaise do not get me wrong i love all kinds of mayonnaise i love really shitty mayonnaise like kewpie mayonnaise like homemade mayonnaise but like you can't just put mayonnaise on asian food and then just label it asian fusion you know you know you i'm talking to you restaurants you know i'm not going to call you out but mrs tiyagi or you know all these all these restaurants that just like why so much mayonnaise you know like, oh, why does everything have mayonnaise? I, yeah. I can't, yeah. you know, like, I, I get so worked up thinking about it because it's just like, yeah, it's, yeah, I just, yeah, it, it just shits me another way. And it's just like the, the, the idea that that is selling, you know, they can charge, what is that dish? A nori taco, you know, they can mm. charge like over $15 for that or however like at night noodle market I'm pretty sure it costs $15 um, yeah. but no one like people won't pay more than like $10 for a plate of dumplings you mm. know yeah that's yeah. like yeah. so much more work you have to make the dough you have to make the filling you have to know how to pleat it mm. um, like that that's the kind of stuff that gets me really pissed off and I think um, and, and, I, and I feel like that is another topic because I want to I want to stick to this 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 dichotomy between you know authenticity and you know what what it means to us and why we get, think about Asian fusion in this way, um, mm, for sure. and I, yeah. yeah, and I think the the other thing with like kind of authenticity is like like I guess in a way why we're so obsessed with it is because you know when you and I grew up like we were we were laughed at sometimes yeah. for eating yeah. that food you know yeah. like. People yeah. be like, "What does that smell like? You've you've brought this lunch to school. That's trauma, you know. Like, like, yeah. like little kids might not know like mm-hmm. what they're saying, but that stuff sticks with you, you know. Like mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like I remember like I had like seaweed, like packet seaweed mm-hmm. at yeah. school, and I would like eat it like secretly so people would not see it, yeah. you know. Yeah. And now like no, people turn around right. and they're like, "Oh, Asian food is my favorite. You know, it's really cool. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I only go out and like eat this kind of food. It's just like." That's not, that's not fair. It doesn't feel fair. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I see, I feel like especially in Australia, like the food landscape, a lot of like the few, you know, authentically Asian foods, oh, okay, not, I wouldn't want to say that, but a lot of like the authentically Asian marketed restaurants are actually like owned and largely run by white men. Like this mm. trend doesn't really stop, you know. Um, I don't want to name names. Um <laughs> Um, but uh, there are many, many restaurants. There are many restaurants in Melbourne. You know what? Like, I, I'm, I'm fine saying it. I hate Chin Chin. Chin Chin sucks. That food does not taste good. I've never had noodles sweeter than I've had at Chin Chin. And you know what was the worst thing? I had to wait two hours to get in. You know, there was so much hype. I was like, oh, this guy, you know, he must be traveled. He's kind of like Andy Ricker, um, if you if you guys know who that mm. is. Um, he's traveled and lived around Thailand and gone back and forth 25 years. He can speak the language. He has deep roots there. I thought like, what's the chef's name? Don't know his name. He's got a weird mohawk though. Um, I hate his, <laughs> I hate that food. I hate it. I did not enjoy it like whatsoever. Mm. And you know, the yeah. fact that that restaurant 
is so busy and then you know some of my favorite restaurants you know family owned you know maybe it's not the flashiest place and like mm-hmm. i i like that you know there's no th- yeah. there's no frills yeah. you're there for the food like those places yeah. you know quiet you know especially yeah. right now yeah. like I, I, I don't know if people are ordering from there but you know people might still get like shit from chin chin all the time you know they're, they're yeah. not going to be as affected by this and that that sucks that's the thing like it, it makes me feel so uncomfortable to see like white people profiting from profiting i should say sorry from the food of like marginalized cultures and like typically mm. like minorities so like, like you said right like a big restaurant like chin chins um profits off thai cuisine or i don't know what, what, what's like the asian food they tout themselves to be is it asian uh, sorry, like is it, southeast is it asian thai? southeast asian okay thai? even that itself that, that's Southeast Asian food. That's still a huge uh, monolith. There's a lot of but, countries you know, in Southeast Asia. There are so many countries in Southeast yeah, Asia, and yeah. with completely different cuisines. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, it just it just seems it just feels really um, uncomfortable. I find to see when white people do pop it off, like I said, marginalized cultures and their cuisines. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong. Like like I said before, it can be done in a way that's respectful, mm. and I think it can be done in a way. It can where, be done. Um, yeah. You know, Exactly. You're seen exploring a different culture and kind of translating that into something else. But yeah, you're paying yeah, respect. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Paying That's respect to things is a big yeah. thing. Like, yeah. um, like I want to talk about, and I'm sure you can elaborate on this, Jeff, like momofuku. David Chang's momofuku. Is it fuku? Am I pronouncing it correctly? Momofuku? Yeah. Momofuku, yeah. I think that is an amazing example of good Asian food. Asian food that's done right. You know? Yeah, there's um, a lot of influence there. Like David Chang is trained in some of the best kitchens in the world, Cafe Balud with um, Daniel Balud, and he brings that like French and Italian technique to promoting flavors that are close to him. You know, yeah, and, and he, yeah. he's a Korean American. You know, he brings that, and it's and it's like the flavors are there, but it's presented slightly differently. You know, it's 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 slightly different, but it still has the soul of what the food is. Um, mm. And you know yeah. it's not diluted; it's just slightly different. Mm. And I and I guess like you maybe you you may say like oh, but is that just not what fusion is? It is, you know, but it's done in a way that still retains the soul of it. Because like Asian food does, like fusion food does exist, and a lot of it has occurred naturally throughout history oh my god for sure yeah like sure. some of the some of the examples um we can talk to like xinjiang province um there's like the Uyghur cuisine there you know as a big part of that region of china was the silk road trade you know so people brought a lot of spices over so you see a lot of like yeah. lamb there mutton spices like things you don't see in the south of china you think about the u.s presence in korea they have army stew it's called like budejige probably butchered that so apologies um but because like when the gis were in america like during the korean war it was it was so poor so they had a lot of spam mm. and hot dogs so like no no one re- like actually no spam and canned hot dogs are actually delicious um but to, to at the times so, you know to maybe make it a bit yeah. more palatable they would like mix it into a soup with really strong flavors you know this was that was survival same thing in okinawa taco rice you know um yeah the japanese influence like, in taiwan yeah yeah like Asian fusion is essentially like a lesson in history, you know. Yeah. Like Jeff yeah. obviously touched on these different examples, but I think like you know, um, the world's first Asian fusion food was arguably Macau's cuisine. You know, uh, like they came under 
okay, a bit of a history lesson for you, but they came under Portuguese rule in 1887. And it wasn't until 1999 where Macau came under and they're still under Chinese rule. But during these 100 years or so, the Macanese culture and obviously consequent cuisine grew to reflect, you know, just like the hybrid of just so many different ethnicities living there, namely, you know, those of the other Portuguese colonies, such as Mozambique and Brazil. So in Macau now, not only can you find like dim sims, but also Mozambican curries and like pork chop pineapple buns and like African mm. chicken. Like, you know, it's just this amazing hot pot different cultures and essentially asian fusion food um and something that's close to home like vietnamese cuisine and you know french colonialism had such a big influence in so many other dishes that are such staples of the cuisine now and those that we all love like me like that is a prime example the french brought Mm. over baguettes butter pate um and you know it occupies such an important place in vietnamese culinary scene so yeah i mean the point i want to make is that asian fusion isn't just something um that grew like like that you know it didn't just emerge from chinchin and all that you know it it has a really long deep-rooted history and i think how it's evolved has been a really interesting concept not concept but an interesting thing to kind of watch Mm -hmm. you know you see how some people master the art of asian fusion and do it really well and with respect to other cultures and other people who completely butcher it like have you heard of the incident um in new york city uh it was this restaurant called lucky lee's have you heard about this is this the one where there was a food review and they said it was the best Chinese food because a white guy cooked it? Okay, maybe. But essentially the gist of it was that Lucky Lee's, this restaurant in New York City, drew a lot of criticism because they were trying to market themselves as selling clean, quote unquote, clean oh, yeah, Chinese yeah, yeah. food. This is one. Yeah, but yeah, didn't yeah. make you feel, quote, bloated or icky. Okay, firstly, that is so problematic. What is clean Chinese food? Also, like, inherently, mm. what are you trying to say? That Chinese food is dirty? Yeah, a lot of ladies from back there, but that's the thing. That's how you disrespect Asian fusion, essentially. Yeah. Or just Asian cuisine, or just cuisine in general. Um, you can actually learn a bit more about the history of Chinese food in, I guess, in America, for example. There's an episode um, of Ugly Delicious about it where they go through, you know, the politics of MSG usage. You know, that was a big thing. Um, in the in the 1900s in America, where people would say, "Oh, you know, like Chinese food, they they you know they cook with rats and you know cats and stuff like that. Mm. MSG gives you headaches, you know, all that sort of stuff." There was this huge like blowout of it, and like I, I remember, I love this scene. So it's like uh, I believe it was, I think it was either a doctor or a nutritionist or a researcher. He sits down with David Chang and he's in this room full of um full of people, and basically he. He asked them like, "Oh, what do you what do you think about like Chinese food when you when you when you hear the term?" And they were all like, "Oh, you know, you know, you eat it sometimes, and you know, it just gives you headaches afterwards, and you know, you don't feel so good." And this like old white dude was just like, "Oh, sometimes even when I like walk past Chinese restaurants, you know." My, my head just you know starts to like vibrate oh, a bit geez. and you just you can just see david chang's just like sitting there just going like what the fuck <laughs> and the thing they do is they get a massive bag and it's chips mm. it's like mm. potato chips and he like everyone gets a packet and they're eating it they're like oh so good um and he just goes like are you enjoying those mm. <laughs> well that is msg in it <laughs> like look in the packet yeah, yeah. monosodium glutamate it's like mm. clearly there. It's put in everything. It occurs naturally. Yeah. When you see seaweed and it's dry and there's this white powderiness on it, that is mm. glutamic acid. 
it is what makes food taste really good they leverage it a lot in you know japanese and chinese cuisines you know the idea of like umami is built on glutamic acid Mm. glutamic acid occurs naturally in tomatoes in beef you know it's and basically like scientists wanted to synthesize that so they made msg you know it but it occurs naturally and i think yeah, the, the the food food in itself is yeah, it's, it will always be political and like yeah, it has a lot of meaning to it. And I think like we get like you and I get caught up in this idea of like when people you know try and destroy this idea of what's authentic to us, and for some reason it works a bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think that hurts yeah. us. But yeah. you know, one thing you know I was saying to you before is our parents probably wouldn't be pissed off about this. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, like they would, they would just say like, oh, like if someone was like, oh, you know, I don't want to eat that food. It's it smells. I don't, I don't like it. They don't care. They'll be like, mm. you're 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 you don't know what you're missing out on. Like but their loss, you know. Yeah, it's their loss, and yeah. you know, I maybe we should we should start moving in that direction because it's like, um, I guess like the sad thing you might realize is, but when you refuse to eat it some of the times it's mm. like going back to my point of like what authenticity to the east means mm. it's the idea of embodying your culture and the the practices of your ancestors but when you say okay. you don't want to eat it that probably hurts them a bit and i think maybe 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 we should kind of like try shift our thinking a little bit like maybe we shouldn't just yeah it just it pisses me off a lot and i i want to i guess yeah. i want to work on this a bit is um, yeah. what i'm yeah. trying to say yeah I often find too that um, as you know, as like our thinking shifts. So, for example, you know, we kind of grew up like being ashamed, like sorry, loving our you know authentic cuisines and cultures and whatnot first, and then you know this weird high school phase we start rejecting it, and now we're trying to come back full circle to like you know embracing like our Asian identity again. I often find that I'm wanting to like learn um, how to like make the stuff that my mum can make. You know, like I remember like a lot a lot of the time when I was growing up. I tried to like make like a lot of like Western dishes, like mm. pasta and more pasta, you know, like just different mm. kind of Western um, dishes that requires recipes. Um, but I've been trying to like actively, you know, like watch my mom cook and see the things that she mm. does. Still like amazing how they don't cook without a recipe. Can we just talk about that for a hot sec? Like Asian oh. cooking do not require recipes. I don't understand it, do to it. be honest. I mean, I guess I totally to agree. But like because I feel like, you know, I've grown up in this environment or, you know, the Western um, concept of, like, you know, measuring everything, like tablespoons and teaspoons. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a bit jarring when I'm, like, trying to learn what my mum makes. And she's like, oh, you know, a splash of fish sauce, a little bit of salt. And I'm like, give me details, give me specificity. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the point being that as we kind of, you know, um, become more proud of who we are and where we came from, I often find that learning about the food that I often eat as a kid and learning how that's made has really helped um, kind of feel that, that makes sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, sorry, just to go back to this idea of authenticity. Um, and the thing is, it's not just us. It's not just Asians who feel this obsessive need for authenticity. I often find that when you, I won't name names again, but when you um, look at different, you know, review platforms, it's always mm. like, oh, the best Vietnamese in town or like the most authentic like Indian food, the best Indian food in like this suburb or whatever. Um, mm. And a lot of the time it's, you know, I mean, most is a good thing. A lot of time it's spotlighting like actual, you know, um, restaurants and cafes that are run 
by families, by immigrants, which is a good thing. But at the same time, it, yeah, it, it goes back to this question of like, why are we so obsessed with authenticity? Like, is it is it okay for it to not be authentic? Like, if we, let's say, create something or a cafe or start something, and we mm. start selling food, does that make it authentic by virtue of the fact that we're Asian? Or is it authentic mm. because we learnt these recipes that date back, you know, decades? Um, yeah, I've always found that's a really interesting kind of notion to grapple with. Yeah. Um, just kind of and like this tension between like, yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, I was, I was just, I don't, I don't really have an answer to that because I think, I think what we've, I guess, agreed on is that um, authenticity for us is, I guess, like the the experience like food is just not so like not only about eating like when i i think about food it's just like it's a warm feeling because i i think about the stories that you share when you're making the food together like you know mm. that your mom tells you that oh you know i was taught this way as well like that mm. that in itself is has a lot more meaning as as well like on top of the food and i, I think like the key thing is i guess authentic it's 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 a tough balance because i think like if you're going the the east the eastern kind of thought where it's just like the the entire experience you will make it as you were taught but if you were to go the more western route it's something that's a bit more true to you yeah so i guess like really depends on what food you would make you know like would you make the Mm. recipes exactly the same i think in that Mm. sense like if you're mom sat down and she ate it she's like i know this taste this is my recipe like this Mm. is authenticity to like her but then if you know you were trying to i guess yeah it comes down to intent on what you want to do with the food that that that's Mm. that's my point it's that Mm. do you in a sense want to retain the 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 traditions of your lived experience through that food or do you want to push it forward to like essentially your version of it you know mm. um and I, and I think that's a that's a choice that people have to make when they open restaurants and stuff and i, I think that like that this kind of segues into the, the future of i guess what authentic food is going to be like um in a, mm. in a, well, i guess where we live in australia yeah. it's kind of like what is what is what does the food look like two generations from now you know Exactly, because, you know, you look at like, the landscape right now in Australia and, like we said before, a lot of, like, the really authentic, I quote, um, you know, food that's, like, marketed or at least, like, that's popular um, are run by immigrants or are run by people who have, you know, um, uprooted their lives, came to Australia, brought their own kind of cuisines with them. Mm. I mean, that's what makes Australia Australia, you know, like, there's this, there's this pride in us being such a multicultural country mm. because of our, you know, different people and ethnicity than food you know melbourne is like the food capital um Mm. but that's the thing you know what happens when um you know it's two decades later are the children of these immigrants going to keep the tradition of like these foods in you know their in their families or at least like continue the businesses and the restaurants or is it something that will be diluted or will another kind of definition or authenticity arise where you kind of have these long traditions that are passed on to first generation second generation Australians I mean I don't know um I think it'd be really interesting to see especially because I feel like the wave of immigration in Australia or you know it's it's based on history it's not as if like mm. we've been around like Australia in itself is a 
sorry, as Australia, not, not you know, accounting for Indigenous history, but um, colonised Australia has not been around for very long. So I think it would be really interesting to see how this will evolve. I mean, you see in already in America, you see, you know, Asian-American cuisine, if I can call mm. it that, um, as, you know, so complex in and of itself. Like, Asian-American cuisine encompasses so many different things. So I wonder what Asian-Australian cuisine will ultimately come to look like. Like, I think it would mm. be quite interesting. Yeah. Um, especially because, like, the pockets of different immigrants in Australia are quite unique. You know, mm. we've got, like, a really big, um, like, Indian di- diaspora, Sri Lankan diaspora, but also, um, like, Sudanese and obviously Vietnamese. And mm. But, that you know, it, it's different ways of immigration. So it's kind of, it, it will be interesting to see kind of what will develop um, and, like, what sticks, if that makes sense. Is that weird? I don't yeah. know. What sticks? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, I think, like, Okay. Yeah, touching on the point of like America, they kind of you can kind of use them as a case study of maybe potentially what restaurants will look like here. You know, mm. it's going to be like people there call it American food, but not American as mm. in the hamburgers or the um, what else do they have? <laughs> All that sort of stuff. I guess the food of the South, like fried, like truly yeah. authentic, like barbecue or fried chicken yeah. or. Yeah. Um, all that sort of stuff but the the food of the immigrant story is what they refer to when they think, think of america you know america a mm. lot of a lot of immigrants obviously moved then a lot of immigrants have moved here and it's like the the blend that like natural blend because it's just like fusion in my head feels forced like it's it feels mm. like you're pressing these things together mm. versus maybe an alternative term is like evolution you know yeah. i feel like evolution feels in a way a bit more organic but fusion just feels like you're just forcing things together like mm. putting mayonnaise on everything <laughs> in a bowl God. call it a day call it a day <laughs> kind of a thing and you know it's gonna sell yeah. like supply and demand unfortunately yeah. you know where yeah, exactly, the, the food exactly. scene is and, heavily you know, dictated as- by market forces you know yeah and like we've said before you know and like as we've you know touched on these different examples like this Asian evolution, um, it's happened. Like, it, it's been happening. It's still going to happen. Um, yeah, it, the problem arises when, yeah, it's forced in a way that disrespects cultures, I think. Mm. And when you dilute it and when you mm. whitewash it, I think mm. that's when it's problematic. Um, and the thing is, you know, we're criticising this because we care about food. And mm. like we've established like, so often in this episode, like food is so political, it's so personal. Um, and I think when you undermine someone's culture, sorry, when you undermine a culture's food, you're undermining the culture in itself because, mm. like we've said, like, you know, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a circular, like circular reasoning um, mm. to it, but it's important, and I think that's why we really want to talk about it. Um, there are so many different tangents that we could have gone off, um, but I'm proud we didn't. Um, there are so many things I still want to talk about in terms of food. Um, mm. I guess the last thing I want to touch on is, I guess you may be um, listening to this and you'll be like, oh, you know, shit, you know, I've, I've fallen, I've fallen into these traps. Um, and, and to honestly, it's not necessarily your fault. Uh, I think marketing has such a strong pull on it. You know, it's, it's really easy to like fall into this, this notion like, oh, you know, this tastes good. Mm. You know, this is Asian food. This is mm. how a lot of these things are being branded for you. Because a lot of the time, I guess the restaurants that you and I might go to, like the ones where we, we truly love, they're in a way not created to necessarily serve a Western audience. 
they, mm. they were created to, to serve um, that culture. So I, I think sometimes yeah. like that thing, those things might slip through the cracks for you and that is completely understandable. So I guess as a recommendation, if you, this, if you are interested in sort of branching out a bit more, like feel free to reach out to us and we can, <gasps> yes. we can oh give you gosh, like all our hotspots sure. and yes, it, it might feel a bit intimidating sometimes, you know, like they, they say like you go to a restaurant and like a, like a Chinese restaurant, a Viet restaurant, how do you know it's good? Mm. Everyone sitting inside is Chinese Viet. Yeah. <laughs> They're there for a reason, you know? Exactly. Um, and exactly. I can understand how that's, you know, a bit intimidating, but yeah. I think if you are someone who loves food and you are someone who wants to explore the nuances, you know, the difference between like food in the South, the Sichuan province or the food of like central, north, southern Vietnam, like to understand those differences, you have to, you have to go out and try it. And, you know, it's going to be a bit scary, but be brave, go in. They're not going to bite. They're not going to serve you some random Mm. thing just because you're not, um, it's because you're not Asian. Like they, they're going to be very happy that you've decided to, you know, make the trek out to try this sort of food and I'm sure you're going to love it and it's going to, mm. it's going to blow your mind and guarantee it. So yeah, definitely hit us up if that is something you're keen on doing and we'll show you where all our favorite places are in Melbourne. Because Asian food isn't just dumplings on a night out, you know, no. <laughs> there's so much more to it. There's it. so much more. I mean, this is, yeah, <laughs> this is, I think this is something we want to talk about in a future episode where, mm. you know, there's a lot of nuance that actually comes with the different Asian foods in of its, in an and of itself but mm. for example you know different class kind of um, perceptions of different asian cuisines like japanese for example is mainly you know it's, it's seen as like quite high class sometimes mm. whereas you know other cuisines like chinese may be seen as like oh, street food or yeah. singaporean food just like yeah. you know, hawker food and stuff like that yeah um i mean a bit of a digression but that's something i think we want to talk about in the future. Sure. but yes sure. asian food is amazing and asian fusion food can be amazing too um I just think, you know, it's so good to think critically about what you eat and how it came to be. Um, you know, who who is leading the restaurant? Who owns this restaurant? Is it led by immigrants? Is it led by a white person? Is it led by both? Is it led by people who are from the culture that it espouses to market and to create? I think it's so important to be aware of what you're eating and to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, it's not just food you're eating, it's you know, it's cultures, it's cuisines that history. you're paying respect to. Exactly. Yeah. Consuming history. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's something I just want to just bring home, honestly. Think think and eat food critically, honestly. Because exactly. there's a lot out there. There's a lot out there. And good good and bad stuff. You've got to work through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, um, but you do have do to we... sort through some bad stuff to, to find the gems for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Until next time, stay safe, eat well, and we'll speak to you soon. See you later.